So this is week 61 of Bhagavad Gita class, and we covered today verses 56 through 66. And Krishna in this particular chapter gives a summary of the Bhagavad Gita. And the last verse of last week, um, Krishna described after the processes of how the modes of nature work again, he summarizes um, the entire first part that we studied in this chapter with, um, I can only be known through devotional service. And when one is in full conscious of, conscious, fully conscious of me by such devotion, he can enter in, into the kingdom of God. So he summed up that section. <clears throat> and so, uh, just to recap, I want to ask you all just uh, a little quiz on this chapter. So what does sannyas mean? Anybody? Mm, yes, but the way that Krishna described in this particular chapter. Yes. Doing everything for Krishna. Yes, that's correct. It was stated in a little bit different way, but that's correct. Yeah. So giving up activities based on sense gratification. And then what was the definition of tyaga or renunciation? Even of the fruits of the activity? Yes. That's correct. And what are the three things that Krishna said great souls never give up? Great souls never give up? Yes. Devotion service. That's correct. Um, Krishna <coughs> said three, soul, three things that great souls never give up is sacrifice, charity, and penance. Mm. And let's see, I can think of another question. So why, why was Krishna describing or summarizing again a proper path of renunciation? Because of the, uh, the misconception that Renunciation means to give up all activities. Yes. So then one particular important verse we covered, I believe, last week was Krishna said, how can we make um, our work perfect? If we're acting according to our nature and varna and ashram, then how can we make our work perfect? You remember, Raphael? You were here for this. You remember this? Um. <clears throat> no, I don't remember. You'll remember what I, what I say. We can make our work perfect by worship of the Lord. Remember? Uh, we were talking about how we may have different propensities for work, but no matter what we do as an occupation, if we worship God, then it becomes perfect. So mm-hmm. we were talking about meditating, mm-hmm. and you were interested in starting to chant Hare Krishna. So, developing that meditation practice. So So now, Krishna has described how this sacrifice, charity, and penance, how it acts in the different modes of nature. And then he concluded again with, you can only know me through devotional service. So now, in these particular ten verses that we went over this week, he's uh, spelling out the process that goes beyond all these works of good works of sacrifice, charity, and penance. Because he would, he would describe sacrifice, charity, and penance in the modes of passion, ignorance, and goodness. And goodness is always better. Goodness is, is, is elevating. But now he's, right now he's laying out the path of full surrender, which we call the fast track, the spiritual fast track. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> so, <clears throat> Gage Prabhu, he asked, in one purport, Srila Prabhupada says, this is perfect Krishna consciousness. What is he referring to? It's in Bhagavad Gita 1857. It's in the purport. Um, if one acts according to the directions of Krishna in this book, as well as under the guidance of the representative Krishna, then the result will be the same. The Sanskrit word mat paraha is 
uh, very important in this verse. It indicates that one has no goal in life save and accept acting in Krishna consciousness just to satisfy Krishna. And while working in that way, one should think of Krishna only. I have been appointed to discharge this particular duty by Krishna. While acting in such a way, one naturally has to think of Krishna. This is perfect Krishna consciousness. So one important point Prabhupada made is that we follow the instructions of the spiritual master and, and work according to his instructions, and it's not different. And that's directly like following the instructions of Krishna. So one acts according to the direction of Krishna in this book as well as under the guidance of the representative of Krishna. The result will be the same. Mm-hmm. And it's said um, else, elsewhere in the Vedas that some Siddhim so the supreme perfection of life means uh, pleasing Krishna. So that, that was what Prabhupada was referencing. So Krishna said in the verse, um, 1857, in all activities just depend upon me and work always under my protection. In such devotional service be fully conscious of me. So then describe some of the points made about surrendering to Lord Krishna. Does anybody want to describe some of these points? Describe some of the points made in the section about surrendering unto Krishna. Is that hearing and chanting and remembering and being a friend of Krishna and doing worship, you know, all the, all the different practices? Yeah, those are the different processes of devotional service. And this is referring to some of the, the, the words that Krishna speaks in this section. So Krishna said in like 1862, he said, O sign of Bharata, Surrender unto him utterly. Mm-hmm. By his grace you will attain transcendental peace in the supreme eternal abode. In the previous uh, verse, uh, Prabhupada describes that uh, just like a person is seated in a high-speed motor car, goes faster than one seated in a slower car, though the living entities, the drivers, may be the same. Similarly, by the order of the supreme soul, material nature fashions a particular type of body to the living to a particular type of living entity, so he may work according to his past desires. The living entity is not independent. One should not think himself independent of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. The individual is always under the Lord's control. Therefore, one's duty is to surrender, and that is the injunction of the next verse. So this is one point he makes, that because we're not independent, uh, we should know who, who our controller is, we should know who our master is. We should know who actually gives us facility, who gives us blessings. Um, like early in the Bhagavad Gita, Krishna says, I am the ability of man. I am the intelligence of the intelligent. And everything comes from me. So then, um, <clears throat> Krishna says in, in Bhagavad Gita 64, First, let's see what Srila Prabhupada says in Bhagavad Gita 18.63. He says, The best advice imparted to Arjuna is to surrender unto the super-soul seated within his heart. By right discrimination, one should agree to act according to the order of the super-soul. That will help one become situated constantly in Krishna consciousness, the highest perfectional stage of human life. Arjuna is being directly ordered by the personality of Godhead to fight, Surrender to the Supreme Personality of Godhead is the best interest of the living entities. It is not for the interest of the Supreme. Before surrendering, one is free to deliberate on this, sub- this subject as far as the intelligence goes. That is the best way to accept the instruction of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Such instruction comes also through the spiritual master, the bona fide representative of Krishna. So Krishna basically, he says different points here. One is that I'm independent and I'm in control. So knowing that you're dependent, you should surrender unto the person who, who provides for you, who protects you. And also he says, by surrendering unto me, you'll be relieved from all miseries. All your, all your miseries of repeated birth and death will go away. And then Krishna says, he says, by surrendering unto me, you'll attain my eternal abode. Um, and the transcendental peace. The etern- and the eternal abode. 
So what can, be, what can be fulfilled by the gradual process that we've been reading about in Bhagavad Gita? Krishna's saying, just by this surrender unto me, you can attain peace, you can attain happiness, and you can attain the, my eternal abode. Simply by this one step. <clears throat> so what is Lord Krishna's supreme instruction, the most confidential knowledge of all? Yes. Basically, just always think of him. Just always think of them. This is the uh, 65th purport where Krishna says, Always think of me. Become my devotee. Worship me and offer your homage unto me. Thus you will come to me without fail. I promise you this because you are my very dear friend. Prabhupada goes on to unpackage that in the uh, purport. One should not become an official meditator. Life should be so molded that one will always have the chance to think of Krishna. One should always act in such a way that all his daily activities are in connection with Krishna. He should arrange his life in such a way that throughout the 24 hours he cannot but think of Krishna. And the Lord's promise is that anyone who is in such pure Krishna consciousness will certainly return to the abode of Krishna, where he will be engaged in the association of Krishna face to face. This most confidential part of knowledge is spoken to Arjuna because he is the dear friend of Krishna. And everyone who follows the path of Arjuna can become a dear friend to Krishna and obtain the same perfection as Arjuna. And he goes on. It's really nice. Yeah, it's really beautiful. So anything else on that particular point anybody would like to share? Yes? I would like to say, yeah. my understanding in a practical way in my daily interaction with the world which which I, I have to be an independent because I I am so depending on on the Lord. Mm. Nice. Right. Mm. Yes. If we simply have that simple understanding, just like a child, and Papa gives this example. The child simply accepts um, that I'm dependent on my father and my mother and, and, and simply is obedient to them, then all their cares are taken care of. Everything's provided. Uh, the child becomes rebellious and starts going against the rules of the parents, and then there might be some conflict, there might be some issues. But as long as that child is simple and innocent, just you are in charge, and, and I'm dependent on you, I should know what you want, what are your rules for the house, how can I help out around the house, how can I please you, then things are, are very nice. So that, that simple understanding of our relationship to God uh, is very powerful. <clears throat> so then continuing what Govinda Manaprabhu was reading, um, these words stress that one should concentrate his mind upon Krishna, the very form with two hands carrying a flute, the bluish boy with a beautiful face and peacock feathers in his hair. There are descriptions of Krishna found in the Brahma Samhita and other literatures. One should fix his mind on this, on this original form of Godhead, Krishna. One should not even direct his attention to other forms of the Lord. The Lord has multi-forms as Vishnu, Narayan, Rama, Varaha, etc. But a devotee should concentrate his mind on the form that was present before Arjuna. Concentration of the mind on the form of Krishna constitutes the most confidential part of knowledge. And this is disclosed to Arjuna because Arjuna is the most dear friend of Krishna's. So then this follows by the most famous verse. This is the verse that Prabhupada quoted the most besides the Hare Krishna Mahamantra, which is also a verse from the uh, Kali Santara Upanishad. So this is Sarvadharman Pritya Mame Kam Sharanam Vraja Aham Tvam Sarvapapibyo Mokshayishami Masuchada. So he says, Abandon all varieties of religion and surrender unto me. I will deliver you from all sinful reactions. Do not fear. And, and so this is so important because Krishna has been giving the gradual process of elevation throughout the whole Bhagavad Gita. But now he's saying that there's a shortcut. And that is, if you just become simple, like Raphael Prabhu was saying, you just become simple and surrender unto God in devotional service, then I will deliver you. Like earlier he said, I, I will carry what you lack and preserve what you have. That... Uh, just by that process, like that's the goal, and Guru Dave talks about like driving to a destination. Once you get there, 
you don't stay in the car. You get out of the car because you're at the... So religion is a vehicle to attain that goal of loving devotional service to, to Krishna. So in this particular verse, Krishna is saying to Arjuna, like, I've given you all these processes, all these arguments why, why you should fight. But now I'm just telling you, now that you understand who you are, and you understand who I am, just do what I say. Just follow my direction. You just surrender unto me with love and devotion. Every, everything will be there. All the positive benefits that we've been describing about the mode of goodness and the, the benefits of yoga and meditation, dhyana yoga, uh, ashtanga yoga, all these, everything will be automatically there. If you just do as I say, you know who I am. I'm your dear friend, and, and you belong to me. I am the Supreme Lord of all that be. Just do what I say. It's that simple. Do what, do what I, I desire. And that way you'll be completely satisfied and fulfilled. And you'll go back to my eternal kingdom. <clears throat> okay, so anybody like to share first? You can share again. Do it again. <laughs> that was the verse I, I chose. Abandon all varieties of religion and just surrender unto me. I shall deliver you from all sinful reactions. Do not fear. That was something. That was something that I always kind of knew in my heart, but didn't understand in my head because I grew up Christian. But when we kind of left the church, like group and things like that, it was kind of like, okay, well. What do we do now? Because we didn't know the concept. I mean, we knew we knew it was right because you know God is a per a person, not you know building or something like that. So, but it was it was nice when we came here and we started learning and all that stuff. And like I said, part of a part of me like knew that in my heart, but I didn't put it like I didn't have the whole understanding of it. Like I never. Nobody ever told me, like, oh, God is a person. You know, like, I had Jesus, and he's a person, but God the Father, I never thought of him as a personality. So it was really... You never saw the God of the old marriages. <laughs> no, no. No. It was all... Old... No. So I always, when I thought of God, I always thought of the face of Jesus. So I never really, like, put them separate, even though in the Bible it clearly states that they're separate. But somehow I just didn't. So it was nice to see that, and it was nice to read this and kind of like re revisit that feeling in, in my heart. That, you know, like it's not about all these different religions and things like that. It's, it's ultimately about Him. So, yeah. yeah. That was like the scientific version of what you already what you already knew right which krishna is also uh, saying that we already have this knowledge i'm simply awakening that in you i'm making you remember and i'm making you forget so yeah so we, we know a lot of people who are like dedicated christians a lot of them uh, feel that way when we talk about these things like whenever we oftentimes when we preach to sincere christians they'll accept like what we're saying yeah, yeah, I agree. Do you agree with what I'm saying? Yeah, I agree with what you're saying. Yeah, still, I want to say the world's 5,000 years old. Um, <laughs> yeah. So they might agree with some things, but they have misconceptions of others. Just yeah. like your example of that picture. God's not an old man. He's yeah. forever young. So that's a, a material misconception. Right. Just like probably the 5,000 years old, which just seems to be the amount of time from Christians left the planet and Kali started. Mm. It's coincidental, it seems like. Yeah, that's why, you know, the, the perfect Vedic science is, is watered down when it isn't passed through that pure parampara system. So they have some pure idea because Jesus was teaching something about devotional service to God. But it's yeah, a very vague, very vague understanding. Yeah, it's preaching to those people, trying to help them come up to a higher standard. Okay. Yeah. <coughs> Well, you know, in the past I've always said that 
gosh, I had a hard time choosing the verses. Well, this is certainly true in these <laughs> this section. I mean, you know, it's like, uh, gosh, it's like one of these things, you know. Um, okay, I'll do that one. Um, so anyway, I, I chose uh, the verse 1858. Um, if you become conscious of me, you will pass over all the obstacles of uh, conditioned life by my grace. If, however, you do not work in such consciousness, um, but act through false ego, not hearing me, you will be lost. So my understanding of that is in becoming Krishna conscious, liberation from the material world's various hindrances will not perplex us or attach us to them by the grace of the Lord. But if uh, Krishna consciousness is not maintained, we will hold attachments to the attractions of this material world through our false egos and be lost within it. Um, so my application of that, as I wrote this, uh, each day I wake, I think of Krishna and walk in a state of gratitude for his mercy in blessing me with a spiritual master, association with wonderful devotees, and opportunities to serve them, and in turn to remember how to serve Krishna. Maintaining Krishna consciousness throughout the day is challenging and with all of life's uh, distractions. Anytime I forget or I become aware of, uh, or I become aware of falling into a state of Maya consciousness through false ego, I chant the Lord's names and quickly remember again and show gratitude to Lord Krishna for his grace. As time goes by, as I chant, surrender and serve more and more through Lord Krishna's mercy, I will always be thinking of him, and hopefully never be lost. Thank you so much. So, I want to ask you all a question again. So now Arjuna is going to be fighting this battle. And as he's engaged uh, in this very uh, intense warfare, he has to remember Krishna, right? Because Krishna is saying that. So what's a practical way that as he's fighting, he can remember Krishna. Does anybody have an answer? Chanting his holy names. Mm-hmm. It's one way while he's doing it. Yes. My understanding is that the process it will not be easy. Uh-huh. You know, it's not meant to be easy. Uh-huh. You know, if you are, if, for example, I am walking down the street thinking that I am being protected by the Lord. Right, but at the same time, there's uh, something will come up, you know, yeah. and it's up to me if I'm gonna react. How is I gonna react? Mm-hmm. Sometimes I'm gonna succeed, but sometimes I won't because, you know, maybe my negative thoughts will jump right away, you know, without me realizing it, you know, becoming too defensive. But, what I mean is that uh, the process of growing and walking in this direction is not going to be easy. Uh, yeah, that's very good. So, um, what you're what you're saying is is correct in that actually one particular guru in our movement, I can't remember who it was, but he said there's weapons of mass distraction. So they don't make this one. That's your mind. You're your uncontrolled mind. Yeah. So so this the way that the loser energy works is that as we're going, we're trying to surrender to Krishna. We're trying to engage in devotional life, and there's so many distractions um, around us and distractions within us from our past desires and activities. And so you're right. Um, so that's why you know staying with devotees. And, and remembering these things, talking about these things, um, chanting Krishna's name, having a daily meditation practice is so important to always bring our mind back. Krishna says that in Bhagavad Gita. If your mind goes goes off somewhere else, just bring it back. Don't 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 feel depressed or despondent. Simply bring it back, and then we can keep on going. Now I like that about chanting the holy names. I was just thinking, you know. Hare Krishna. Hare. <laughs> so, I didn't think of that, but there is a very practical way because it can be hard when we have to really focus yeah. on something. Yeah, I was just I was just gonna say that I don't I don't see that as very practical in that situation because you have to really be focused. What I see is that Arjuna is properly situated, so he's carrying out his 
his duty according to Krishna's instructions. So the way that I see it is his actions are in itself. You know, just the fact that he has agreed to take up his weapon and fight, I think is... He also has uh, Krishna driving his chariot, so he kind of has yeah. a run stick in front of him that you and I don't. Yeah. Well, that's a good point. And, and, and uh, Krishna gives the devotee his darshan. I would say, I always have seen Krishna. So that's, that's the mercy of Krishna. Mm-hmm. Krishna was right before Arjuna. That's true, too. Uh, yeah. But I'd like to, to mention one more thing. Um, like, earlier in the Bhagavad Gita, Krishna says, He says, whatever you do, whatever you eat, whatever you offer and give away, whatever austerities you perform, do this as an offering to me. Now, this, this entails a level of mixed bhakti. In other words, where you're doing something for Krishna, but it may not be what Krishna necessarily desires. It's more like what I want to do, but then I want to offer it to Krishna. So it's not necessarily pure bhakti. It was like, okay, I want an apple, and so now I'm going to take the apple and offer it to Krishna. Yeah. Without first thinking, what would Krishna want? So now in this case, Arjuna knows that Krishna wants him to fight. But Arjuna doesn't feel like fighting. He would rather not fight. And so because he, he decided to follow Krishna's direction, by following what Krishna wanted, that in and of itself is surrender and devotional service. Because he's doing it for the pleasure of Krishna. He's doing his own work to please Krishna. <coughs> so because Krishna is absolute, actually when, when we're engaged according to the direction of Krishna through the spiritual master, we're engaged in that work, then that work itself is Krishna. But the work is not different than Krishna. Devotional service for the pleasure of Krishna is Krishna. It's just like when you, if you're watching the, the deity plate, that, that deity plate is, is also Krishna. And that service is service directly for Krishna. And you may be focusing on shining that plate. So do you see how when we're doing our activities simply for the pleasure of the Lord, that activity becomes an absorption in Krishna? Yeah. Somebody else? Yeah. Yeah, and, and that's kind of what I meant when I was saying chanting with Krishna. I mean, the, the thing is, is that, you know, I, all the distractions you have in the world, I mean, I, I go into work every day, you know, and I have to help students. I hop from one student to another helping them out and tutoring them. Um, or whatever I'm doing at that time. Now, it appears in many ways that, and sometimes I get lost in that, too. I forget, you know, because you get involved in helping the student with something or whatever. You get involved in their business, and you're doing something for them to help them out. And so, consciously, Krishna's not in my head when I'm doing that particular action. So... What I always have to remember at that moment, if I can catch myself, is to be aware that, you know, that I'm doing this work, you know, for Krishna. You know, I mean, I'm doing this work because this is where he wants me to be. I'm not necessarily, it was not a great amount of effort to go back and get this work, you know. So it just came to me very, very quickly like this, you know. So apparently this is where he wants me to be, you know, or else I wouldn't be here. You know, so again, I have to turn that around every time to make sure that I'm, I'm still engaged in that. And then once I'm getting up and I'm done, I have my clicker with me and I chant, I chant around. You know, I chant, I chant, I chant until I have to help somebody again. So again, I'm engaged in that process to remember, to help me. It's a tool to help me remember. And then at the same time, you know, try to remember as I'm engaged. But the mind has a very difficult time doing several different things at the same time. You know, physically, in a material way, um, they say the mind can't do, you know, two things at the same time simultaneously. Mm-hmm. You know, so, so what happens is, is there's got to be a point of surrender at that point in time. Once I enter that workplace, I'm surrendering. But it doesn't mean that every time I can constantly always engage at that moment, at that time of remembering, which bothers me sometimes because I'm going, well, wait a minute. <laughs> you know, why can't I do that? You know, why can't I do that? 
So it, it's a little frustrating, but I, you do the best you can to do that. In, in the middle of June, yes, you know, Krishna's there. And plus, this, this battle that occurs is on a transcendental level. I mean, this is a huge thing. So there's a little enhancement of that going on. But if I've never been in a war, but I've seen war from a distance, you know, when I was in the military. So, you know, I can't imagine being in something like that and being able to remember, focus. yeah, without and keeping your focus and staying alive, and then <laughs> thinking, alive. and then thinking of something like that. I don't know, you know, because I've never been in it. But I think because that particular war was in a different different level altogether, that did probably help. I'm sure June's focus a little better. Not giving an excuse or anything. It's just saying that that it is difficult when when you don't have that particular enhancement. But we can. <laughs> On some level, am I am I making sense with that? Yeah. And so I guess the challenge is is trying to maintain that as constant as possible, while doing menial material things like a simple job that can easily distract you. Um, but that's the problem: having a physical body and having a conditioned mind is that you you're easily distracted in Maya. Maya consciousness can quickly boom hit you like this. All of a sudden, even brief moments, so the constant all the time is, is, is quite difficult. But at the same time, you're right. If I, if I can always remember, I'm surrendering everything to Krishna. As soon as I walk into work, everything's being surrendered to that. As soon as I'm walking to work, everything's being surrendered. As soon as I get up in the morning, my whole life is surrendered. Mm-hmm. You know, And maintaining that kind of in the back of my head, Although maybe it might be even in front of my consciousness, but it is in the back of my consciousness. So, is that okay? I mean, is that is that? Yeah, yeah. You're, you're you're making your your occupation be for Krishna's service, right? Like a here's like a practical example. Say your wife, say your wife would like you to run some errands for her. Mm-hmm. As you're on those errands, concentrating on that task. You're conscious of your wife, actually. Right. Because uh, when Krishna says, uh, be fully conscious of me, and by my grace, you should pass, you'll pass over all obstacles. Mm-hmm. Like that. So, because you're doing that work for her, then you're conscious of her. Because you're conscious of her desire. Right. You see? Right. So Krishna's desire is for Arjuna to fight. So as he's engaging in the warfare and fighting, he is fully conscious of Krishna. Because this is Krishna's work. It's God's work. This is what right. he wants me to do. It's what he wants me to do. So you're conscious of him. Now you wouldn't be conscious of him if you're doing something not for him and not that he wants you to do. Then you wouldn't be conscious of him. Right. Mm. Now in terms of like having darshan of the, the, the form of the Lord or having the holy names of the Lord while we're engaging in, in karma, yoga, and Krishna consciousness, that, that's the mercy of Krishna. Like if say we're, we're, we're in a battle... And we're seeing the form of Krishna in our mind as we're fighting. That's that's Krishna's mercy. But we can be we can be very confident by engaging in God's work. That's a, a simple way. I'm engaging in God's work, and I know that because I'm well situated under my guru, who's serving his guru, going back all the way to Krishna. I'm doing my guru's work. I'm 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 situated in life where this my spiritual master wants me to be. And I'm serving according to his direction. And because of that, my work becomes purified. So we can't, like uh, Prabhupada also says, says, he says at the end of life, Krishna says that you have to be thinking of him to go to Krishna. But if somehow or other, because of some state of consciousness, we're not thinking of Krishna, but we've surrendered our, our life to Krishna, Krishna will force himself into our mind. And in that way, we'll attain, we'll attain Krishna's abode. So at some level, actually at every level, we're, we're dependent on, on Krishna's grace. We, we can do our part, but Krishna has to um, allow us to tie him. So, do you have something, Drew? Hey, I'm driving along in my car thinking I need to get a, a gallon of milk, and then the thought's gone, and you get home and you don't have a gallon of milk. That's how fleeting our thoughts are. I mean, I'm just saying, you know, one, you can be thinking in one minute, you can be forgetting another minute. 
I find you also have to look at, you have to ask yourself, what mode are you in when you're doing something? You know, um, you have to correct their errors too, you know, like, you know, that, that, that idea of God as an old man, that needs to be corrected. Uh, you know, the idea that, like, she didn't remember in the Old Testament, God's talking to Moses through the bush. He's showing he can speak, so he has the characteristic of a human. She, she forgot that, but that's there. So it, it, it's like uh, we're going from lack of knowledge to knowledge, and you don't go from zero to 100% like that. You're just slowly collecting more. We, we all want it to be instantaneous and in a moment. Like I said, it could be 10,000 lifetimes, not one. I, everybody wants to say one. Well, you're not guaranteed that. Nobody knows the future. You can't really say that. Well, you can think that you're good, but just because you think you're good, it's not whether you think you're good, it's whether Krishna thinks you're good. So you don't even need to bother thinking about, am I doing a good job? Uh, Krishna will tell you when you've done a good job. You don't have to, you know, some of it's just pride and ego. You can get trapped in it, thinking how, how good my devotional service is, or uh, uh, what's the other one? Or how much I know. Know very much at all, really. You know, huh? it takes a long time to learn everything. It takes well, time. We do our best, and God does the rest. So the thing, the thing is, is that ultimately we all get, we all get, we all get delivered by by Krishna's mercy. But if we have faith in our gurus and our acharyas, then we know we're we're, we're in a good place. So we simply continue when the Lord decides that we can be completely free from the modes of nature and be liberated based on the, the intensity of our desire and our endeavor to serve Him, that's up to Krishna. But Krishna promises. Krishna promises if you follow this path, you will not fail. He says, uh, he says declare it boldly, O Arjuna, my devotee never perishes. So those who are faithfully trying to surrender to the process of devotional service engage in that work, not, not because of false pride, but because we trust Krishna's promise. And however long that takes, that's not up to us. But the thing is, as Krishna earlier in the second chapter said, He says, just with one focused attention, be engaged in this uh, transcendental devotional service. And, and, and give up all distractions. And one distraction could be thinking about uh, the pitfalls. If we think about the pitfalls too much, then we're not focused on the goal. Now we can touch on the pitfalls so that we can be reminded what not to do, but the focus should be on surrendering to Krishna, on serving Krishna positively. That's why the Bhagavatam is the topmost literature. Because ultimately, as devotees, we want to get to the point where we're meditating on Krishna, his form, his name, his pastimes, his paraphernalia, his entourage. Like that, and that way, by by focusing on positive devotional service, the anarthas will be purified. We learn about the pitfalls. We learn about the anarthas. We learn about all these things. We need to be reminded of these things. But we we want to encourage everybody to continue where they are, because anything that they do, Krishna says, one who has done good, my friend, is never overcome by evil. So any good they do, Krishna doesn't forget. Krishna takes it as, as very significant. Krishna sees that, oh, somebody is trying to, to serve me. Someone's trying to surrender unto me. So that's wonderful. And we try to fan that spark. And so that's why, this is actually right now in the Bhagavad Gita, Krishna's not talking so much about uh, the details of the anarthas and the mode of nature. Now he's talking to Krishna. He's saying, I will deliver you. By all, from all obstacles. You simply do as I instruct. And then Prabhupada is, is clarifying that when we follow the spiritual master, that's the process. That Krishna earlier spoke about in Bhagavad Gita. To know Krishna's desire and to serve him. And in that way, Krishna says, you will pass over all obstacles by my grace. So we also have to have faith. If we don't have faith, that's also maya. We have to have faith in Krishna's words. Krishna will deliver. We're all, we're all contaminated by the modes of nature in this world. But that's why the science is given, so we can become free from it. 
Yes. I was going to say two things. First one, addressing uh, what Krishna Nam was saying. is this <coughs> concept that was uh, very prevalent in the, in the Christian subculture. Um, pray without ceasing. So a lot of people took it to mean that you basically had to live on your knees 24-7. They didn't understand that verse. They didn't understand what it meant to pray without ceasing. So a lot of people took it to mean something literal. And it was very difficult to do that, obviously, because we have so many activities throughout the day. So they're thinking, well, if I'm running around doing errands, if I have to go pick up the milk, how am I praying without ceasing? I guess at that moment I'm letting God down because I'm not praying without ceasing. You see? So a lot of people had this, this idea or this conception that, okay, if I'm not directly engaged in this act of praying on my knees, then I'm not thinking of God. I don't think that's what Krishna is saying. That's why I said that Arjuna simply, he was rightly situated in that he accepted Krishna's instructions. That's what I meant by it by that. It's like, he simply accepted Krishna's instructions and he fought. And even if he's not seeing darshan of Krishna, even if his, you know, if he's not at the proper angle to see Krishna. That's what I mean. Krishna's absolute. So, the fact that he's taken up his sword and he's fighting, that to me means that he is praying without ceasing. That to me means that he's thinking of Krishna. The second point that I was going to make is, uh, in the seventh chapter right here, Prabhupada states in text 66, I really like this. Um, he says, in the seventh chapter, it was said that only those who, only the, that only one who has become free from all sinful reactions can take to the worship of Lord Krishna. Thus, one may think that unless he is free from all sinful reactions, he cannot take to the surrendering process. To such doubts, it is said here that even if one is not free from all sinful reactions, simply by the process of surrendering to Sri Krishna, he is automatically freed. There is no need of strenuous effort to free oneself from sinful reactions. One should unhesitatingly accept Krishna as the supreme savior of all living entities. With faith and love, one should surrender unto him. So I thought that was really yeah. sweet. Yeah. You know, because again, Prabhupada's emphasizing that if we simply surrender to Krishna, right, then he will take care of those things. Eventually, he will take care of those things. So he's, not, he's saying, come as you are. Come as you are, and eventually I will purify, I will take care of this. Obviously, that you know, there's a part that we have to do, and that's really placing our faith in Krishna. Hey Krishna, I can't do this on my own. So I'm, it's like there's this, there's this dependence on Krishna to be able to do what we can't do on our own. Does that make sense? Yeah, and being free from the sins could be artificial. Like a lot of the process is given, it means, okay, I can, I can temporarily transcend these, but still I'm within the modes of nature. So that's what Krishna is repeatedly saying, surrendering unto me. Like earlier in the Bhagavad Gita, he also said, this material energy is very difficult to overcome, but those who are surrendered unto me can easily cross beyond it. Right. And in the 14th chapter, he describes the, the material modes of nature in full. He goes into detail. And then at the end, he says, uh, actually, when one engages in devotional service, unfailing and uns in all circumstances, then he, can under, he, then he can overcome these modes of nature and attain to the level of Brahman. So in other words, mm -hmm. at every step, Krishna is saying, actually the real solution is surrender unto me. And then that's why he says, Sarva Dharma and Pritya abandon all other paths and surrender. Because that's the real solution, is surrender and love to God. It's the real solution. Uh, did you have something to share? No. Uh, your discovery? Or? That was it. Oh, that oh. Was it? Oh, okay. No, that's fine. That's fine. Because it's 6 o'clock now. I, we already talked about what I was going to talk about. Okay. Yeah. If you want, one thing I was just going to mention, I really like this line, Krishna doesn't force anything on us. So it's, it's, it's quite, yate chasi tatakuru, as you like you may act. <laughs> it is basically in the case that God does not interfere with the little independence of the living entity. And I just always thought that that's, Really interesting how Krishna is explaining this confidential, still more confidential knowledge. And then at the end of it all, he says, and you can do as you please. I've given you, I've given you the most confidential knowledge. I've given you all the processes and you can choose. He's hoping, he's hoping that, you know, Arjuna takes to the path of, of, of surrendering and, and becoming his devotee. But he's not forcing it on him. And I thought that's really... 
that's amazing, you know, because I, I never saw that side of Christian, of God. That's not something that was taught growing up. So I thought it was really, really nice. Yeah. And this connection, the reciprocal nature of God is so wonderful. Yeah. Because if you think about it, like, how many times in our life or our experience have we done something for somebody else, but we didn't get reciprocation? Mm. Or we felt ignored? Like, how many times? But Krishna is never like that. That's why he says, Yeyata man prapadyante, tamstatak prajamyam. Prapadyante, again, he's saying surrender. As all surrender unto me, I reward them accordingly. But then the Acharyas say, he doesn't just surrender on a one-to-one. He, we take one step, he takes ten steps. That's the nature of his reciprocation and his consciousness of, of how we make even small endeavors to approach him. So thankfully, Marawi Mohini is back this week. And her discovery is chapter 18, text 56. To a devotee who is thus engaged in Krishna consciousness, the Lord is very, very kind. Mm. Understanding. This is a devotee who is engaged 24 hours, 100% in acting under the direction of the Lord or of the spiritual master. The Lord makes sure he goes to Krishna's spiritual abode, Krishna Loka, in spite of all difficulties. The Lord's mercy is so great. Application. I don't think I act under the direction of the Supreme Lord 24-7, but I try to. I pay attention to what he tells me and shows me from within my heart, and I offer what I do to him. And I also act in Krishna consciousness for a good part of the day. But the Lord is already very, very kind to me. He guides me and arranges everything beautifully. My goal is to eventually act for the Lord 24-7. I don't know if any of you are too familiar with Jayapataka Swami, but he basically uh, is the emblem of like full surrender to his spiritual master, the Srila Prabhupada. So there's a really... Kind of like cute video about how he came to Krishna consciousness. And uh, <laughs> he was talking so humbly. He was kind of describing you know, different ways he came. He saw the devotees and like the hairs on his body stood up and like ran like two miles away from them. <laughs> but he, he, uh, at one point in the video he says, he says, one day I hope to become a pure devotee of Krishna. <laughs> it just reminded me of what Mahari Mohini was saying. <clears throat> So this is from, oh gosh, I didn't write down the verse this was from, I think 65. <clears throat> One should be attracted by the beautiful vision of Krishna. His name is Krishna because he is all attractive. One who becomes attracted by the beautiful, all-powerful, omnipotent vision of Krishna is fortunate. There are different kinds of transcendentalists. Some of them are attached to the impersonal Brahman vision. Some of them are attracted by the super soul feature, etc., but one who is attracted to the personal feature of the Supreme Personality of Godhead, and above all, one who is attracted by the Supreme Personality of Godhead as Krishna himself, is the most perfect transcendentalist. In other words, devotional service to Krishna and full consciousness is the most confidential part of knowledge, and this is the essence of the whole Bhagavad Gita. Karma yogis, empiric philosophers, mystics, and devotees are all called transcendentalists, but one who is a pure devotee is the best of all. The particular words used here, ma don't fear, don't hesitate, don't worry, are very significant. One may be perplexed as to how one can give up all kinds of religious forms and simply surrender into Krishna, but such worry is useless. So that's part of the purport of 1866. So, uh, understanding? The rocket ship is better than the stairs or elevator. Krishna lays out the gradual process of conscious advancement and finally delivers a method, if accepted, that can very rapidly purify the consciousness and reawaken us to our original positions as eternal servants of Krishna. Mm -hmm. Application. By the causeless mercy of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, our acharyas, gurus, and devotees, we have the opportunity to awaken this deep attraction to Krishna. The process of surrender in Kali Yuga has been so kindly handed to us. I pray for their mercy to accept it every day. Otherwise, without full acceptance and full awakening of love and bhakti yoga, my spiritual life will be mixed with karma, jnana, and yoga, a mixture that cannot remain palatable nor beneficial for the ultimate goal of unadulterated love of God. I pray to trust Krishna's words and understand that the surrendering process in bhakti yoga, under the direction of the spiritual master, is the fast track to pure devotional love of Krishna. May this reminder, may this reminder be seared in my mind at every moment. Bhakti Yoga is the only way. 
Okay, so this is, again, the second to last class before we end the Bhagavad Gita. But the good news is that Gurudev is coming back. So what we'll do is we'll do a summary of the 18th chapter of Gurudev. So we're not going to have class next week because we're going to be preparing for uh, Diwali. But we are going to have Harinam. So it's kind of like a compromise there. So we'll still go on Harinam. And actually, Mari Mohini will be with us. So we'll try to get her to come out on Harinam with us. And then the, the week following that, we'll have our last Bhagavad Gita class with the worksheets. So, you're on the email list now, right? Yeah. Okay, good. I just, do you mind yeah. if I say something? Yeah, please. I have this realization that uh, about Spice Arendi to Krishna. Oh, good, yeah. Uh, uh, I am automatically, I'm not alone. I can walk, do what I need to do, and and he's gonna do the rest for me. So he's gonna fight. You know. That's a good point. You know, and and my challenge will be uh, remembering during the daytime that I'm not alone. Yeah. As long as I surrender in the early in the morning, as soon mm-hmm. as I wake up and try to remember maybe when I'm driving. You know, because I have a very active life and I can easily forget, you know, mm-hmm. focus. But uh, I, I like the idea that I'm not alone mm-hmm. as long as I surrender. Surrender, right? Yes. Yeah. And, can and I say trust? Trust, yes. That's good. And, and the thing is, is when we chant this, this Hare Krishna mantra, that practice in and of itself is devotional service. Okay. So that's actually the highest devotional service in this age. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you can know we're, we're trying to mold our life in such a way where our whole life is given to God. But when you chant that mantra, you can be very confident that mm-hmm. every day when I'm chanting this mantra, I'm engaged in devotional service. And it will change my thoughts, it'll change my words, it'll change my, my activities, my whole life. Mm-hmm. So that, that's, that's the spiritual practice recommended um, in the yoga text. The most powerful. Yes, Thank you. Yes, sir. Okay. Okay. Oh. Anything further? I'm good. Okay. <laughs> All right. So the next class will be in two weeks. Yes. Okay. Yes. And then we have a Diwali festival next Sunday. So, okay. So I must go because I have to. I have key and I have to go check. Okay.